You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You know, I've invested in a standing desk a long time ago. Not an electric one. I I don't like there to be parts that can break as easily. I don't want to try and plug it in. But I got a hand crank. Old school hand crank. I'd say old school like standing desks have been around forever. But a hand crank desk that I use when I'm recording podcasts, but I never actually stand up when I do it until recently. I've started to stand up while I record my podcast and I do feel like it gives the entire pod a little bit more energy. I don't think energy has really ever been my problem, but if you notice a difference now that you're listening for it, let me know because I feel like now that I'm standing, I'm talking with my hands more It would be really cool if I was on, you know, video for this kind of thing. You could see it, but it would also not be cool because FBI. But I thought that was really interesting. I feel like there's more energy. I come out with more energy because I'm standing when I do this. So normally, Buffalo Bills news goes through kind of a lull from middle of February-ish, beginning of February, all the way until speculative free agency. Unless there's a contract extension, nothing really happens. But I'm recording this podcast on a Wednesday evening, and there was something that happened with the Buffalo Bills today. There were some coaches that were hired, but specifically there was a coach that was parted ways with. Defensive passing game coordinator and DB's coach John Butler was announced as being mutually parted ways with by the Buffalo Bills on Wednesday afternoon. This news coincided with the news of a few hirings. Ronald Curry was hired on the offensive side of the ball as a quarterback's coach. Jameel Adai was hired as the cornerback's coach on the defensive side of the ball. And Christian Taylor was hired as a defensive quality control coach. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have already done in-depth research into all these people because I haven't and that would be a lie. But one of the things that we've been discussing today on the interwebs is the departure of John Butler. And I would like to make sure that I tag what I'm about to say 
with the appropriate classification. And that's really important. We've talked a lot on this show about calling something what it actually is, whether it's reporting or an opinion piece or whatever it is. What I'm about to say is speculation and speculation only because we do not have the necessary information to be able to ascertain the actual truth behind John Butler's departure. I am wondering out loud, it is rampant speculation. Maybe Butler's departure is related to Bobby Babbage being promoted to defensive coordinator and not him. If he doesn't see a path to defensive coordinator anytime soon, then maybe he wanted to go elsewhere where he thought there would be upward mobility. That would make sense as far as the timing goes because it's very late in the offseason to be mutually parting ways. But it's not late if you consider the thing that most recently happened on the defensive side of the ball and the uh, discussions that would need to be had between new defensive coordinator Bobby Babich and his staff. Maybe there were some discussions about, hey, I'd love you to stay. You've been here for a while. You've been a good secondary coach for the Buffalo Bills. We'd like you to stay. But Butler's thinking, listen, I've been here for years. There was an open opportunity to get a defensive coordinator job and to advance my career. And Babich got it and I didn't. And if there's no path, because Babbage's still a young guy, he's working for a defensive coach. So if you don't look at Babbage and think, well, he'll get promoted to be a head coach anytime soon. If you don't think that, then you're thinking, I've reached my ceiling in this organization. I'm not going to get the shine that I want to get. If the defensive secondary performs really well this year, people are going to attribute it to Babbage. Maybe that's what you think. And you think, I, I got to get the shine that I need to be able to advance my career. I've got to get where I want to get. And if you feel like you can better do that elsewhere, you might say, listen, I had an opportunity here to get that promotion and to get a little bit more shine. And the opportunity passed me by. Somebody else got picked. So I'd like to go somewhere else. Again, rampant speculation, but it would explain the timing. Have no idea if it's true. I'm literally spitballing potential reasons. Okay, so now that we got the newsy thing out of the way, I'm going to start with the metaphor that I would historically open the podcast with, but not this time. Have you seen ads recently for Rocket Money? Have you heard them on podcasts or seen them on YouTube or seen them on television? What is the pitch that is made right now in the marketing campaign for Rocket Money? It's to find forgotten or hidden subscriptions. Oh my gosh. Look, I can't believe I've been paying $20 a month for blah, blah, blah service that I thought I canceled two years ago. There's even an ad where a guy says, no, man, I just, I just pay for Netflix and Spotify. And the other guy who has rocket money has his account open, goes, no, you don't. You pay for all these things. He goes, no, I don't. No, no. It says right here. You do. Rocket money has built an entire ad campaign on trying to help you find lost or hidden subscriptions. I want you to sit and just marinate in that right now. They have built an entire ad campaign around the idea that you don't check your bank statements. You don't check your credit card statements because those charges will be on there every month. The entire ad campaign, millions of dollars of advertising, 
have gone into the campaign banking on the fact that you will connect with that ad because you don't check your bank statements or your credit card statements. Wrap your head around that. They have correctly identified that people don't check their financial statements because if they did, they would see a draw from Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever it is. People are very willing to say things like, well, I I don't pay for Amazon Prime. I I don't play for Netflix. But it's a very easily identifiable problem. All you'd have to do to verify that would be to just go look at your bank statement. Go look at your credit card statement. And you would know. But we're willing to say these things, even though the data is easily accessible. And we're willing to go just take a look at it. We do that all the time. And everyone knows we do that. Rocket Money knows that you do that because that's why they're able to have this ad campaign and have it be successful and connect with so many consumers and potential consumers and prospects because they know you don't check your bank statement. They know you're willing to say, nah, I don't pay for that. But if they were to put a bug in your ear and go, but do you though? You would go, man, I should get Rocket Money and figure that out rather than I should just go check my bank statement. I should just go check my credit card statement. Rocket Money has monetized and advertised the fact that you're willing to say something out loud, not knowing if it's correct from a data standpoint when the data is easily available. We do that with football all the time. We say things like, well, there's a correlation between blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. The best red zone receivers are tall. We say things like this. Even though that data probably hasn't been accurate in 20 years, we just learned something from listening to a radio show or something like that 15 years ago, and we never updated our data, and we just kept on doing it. Every time you say the key to winning is running and stopping the run, that hasn't been true in a million years, but we just keep saying it. Even though the data is very easily accessible, we can go find the correlation between winning and passing effectiveness and winning and rushing effectiveness. And this is the point I want to make. Correlation is not a subjective term. Correlation is a math term. It's a actually identifiable, quantifiable thing. You do it through the usage of something called correlation coefficients. So, Last week, we did a lot of sociology discussion. Now we're going to do some math discussion. So for those of you who already know this stuff, you are mathematicians, you are statisticians, you are people who work with correlation coefficients. This is all going to be old news to you. But for some of you, this might be new. A correlation coefficient is an actual mathematical term. It is something that you can use to correlate two sets of data. A one is considered to be a perfect positive correlation. A negative one is considered to be a perfect negative correlation. And a zero is something that has no correlation. And when I say correlation, I mean this. When one set of data goes up in value, the other set of data goes up in value. That's a positive correlation. When one set of data goes up in value, the other set of data goes down in value. That's a negative correlation. And it's to what ratio? I want you to think of it like the pitch on a roof. 
For those of you who know anything about roofing, yeah, we're going to talk about math and roofing today, just so you know. Roofing, if you look at the pitch on your roof, it's a number over 12. That's how you measure the pitch of your roof. The higher the number over 12, the steeper your roof is. A 12-12 pitch on a roof is 45 degrees. It's a 45-degree slope. That's 12-12 pitch versus a 4-12 pitch or a 5-12 pitch or a 6-12 pitch. Each one of those is progressively steeper than the previous one. If you have a 12-12 pitch, it's a 45-degree angle that goes up from the gutter line. That is what the visualization of a perfect positive correlation would look like. If you look at a graph and it's a scatter chart, and you draw a trend line, it's going to be a 45-degree angle from the left to the right. That is a perfect positive correlation. A 45-degree angle that goes down from left to right would be a perfect negative correlation. A completely straight trend line right along the axis would be zero correlation. Things that do not trend together at all. They don't go together. But this is something that can actually be measured. So when you say something out loud, like, well, there's a correlation between blah, 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 blah. Now, you might not use the word correlation, but you might actually be using it without knowing you're using it. You might say things like, well, the taller you are, the better you are at this. That's a correlation. You are drawing a correlation between height and that activity. Well, the shorter you are, the better you are. There you go. You're drawing a correlation. So you might be saying it and not even realize you're saying it. These things are measurable when there is data. One of the things that people have been talking about a lot over the last year or two is the way that offensive football has changed in the NFL over the last couple of years. Some of the most effective offenses and the hottest en vogue offenses around the NFL, have started to use heavier personnel. I am defining heavier personnel as 12, 13, 21, or 22 personnel. So 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. 13 personnel, one running back, three tight ends. 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end. Think of your classic I formation. 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends. I'm Putting all that stuff together, I'm considering that heavy personnel because the overwhelming majority of the offenses in the NFL are still 11-based. And that has been the case for a very long time, and it's still the case. The overwhelming majority of the offenses do not use heavy personnel the majority of the time. But there's been an uptick. And specifically, it's been in vogue. It's been in narrative. San Francisco, Miami, Detroit, These are teams that all of a sudden you're getting a little bit of of pub as it relates to their offensive personnel usage. But we can figure out if there is a correlation between heavy personnel usage and offensive effectiveness in the NFL. All we have to do is determine a KPI for heavy personnel usage and a KPI for offensive effectiveness, and we can draw a correlation between the two of them. How do you want to define offensive effectiveness? For the purposes of this pod, we are going to define offensive effectiveness as EPA per play. 
I know that there's other ways to do it, but for the purposes of this podcast, that's how we're going to do it. I'm in the process of a, just so you know, this is a multi-stage project for me. I'm outlining some of my initial findings. We will be talking about this probably a lot this offseason, probably at least two or three or four pods about this type of thing. So buckle your seatbelts, baby. Let's go. Correlation coefficients. So we're determining for the purposes of this that offensive effectiveness we're going to define as EPA per play. We're going to define heavy personnel usage as we've already established this, 12 plus 13 plus 21 plus 22 personnel and the total amount of snaps percentage you are in them. So if you're in 12 or 13 or 21 or 22, a grand total of 50% of the time, you have 50% heavy personnel usage. How often are you in heavy personnel usage? We can do that. We can list out all of those stats for all the teams, and then we can list out the EPA per play for all those teams, and we can draw a correlation between them. Would you like to? Let's do it. Why not? There is a correlation in 2023 between heavy personnel usage and EPA per play. It is slight. And by slight, I mean it's small enough that a reasonable data scientist or statistician would tell you it's within a margin where he wouldn't feel comfortable that it will trend that way moving forward. The correlation is 0.15 between heavy personnel usage and EPA per play in 2023. Now, caveat, this does not include plays where there is a sixth offensive lineman, which are an entirely different thing. I'm still working on trying to collect data on that and trying to collect good data on that. I don't want to just throw it in because I don't know if it's going to be good data. So it's really important that we call that out right now. This is a true 12, 13, 21, 22 personnel. This isn't David Edwards coming in as a sixth offensive lineman. So it's really important that we note that. But there is a correlation. It's just really slight. And so what that means is if someone were to tell you that the key to offense in the NFL in 2023 is heavy personnel, you'd go, that's not necessarily conclusive at this point. Now, it might be that way for specific teams. I'll give you an example. The San Francisco 49ers led the NFL in EPA per play in 2023. Their total usage for heavy personnel, 60.3. That's a, an item of note. Now, that trend doesn't carry with it through the entire rest of the data, but that's important to note. Miami, fourth in the NFL in EPA per play. Total heavy personnel usage, 50.1. The Buffalo Bills, third in the NFL in EPA per play. Their total heavy personnel usage was 26.2. They used 12 personnel 19.1% of the time, 13 1% of the time, and 21 4.5% of the time. So if anybody tells you, oh man, the Bills need to get away from 12%, they only ran it 19% of the time. That's actually better than it was before, but that's not a high number at all. We do this thing where we think somehow the only thing that an offense runs is just this one personnel grouping. Well, we just need to stop, you know, we need to stop being an 11-centric offense. We need to stop being a 13-centric. 
just do the math. The Bills were not a 12-centric offense. They just used it more than they did the previous year because they had the people. I'll give you an inverse offense. Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams ran heavy personnel, a grand total of 4.9%, clearly the lowest in the league. Would you like to know why? Sean McVay specifically invests in receivers who can block. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Puka Nakua. He does this because he wants to be able to stay in 11 personnel for whatever play type he wants. That's part of the McVay offense. Part of the McVay offense is I'm going to keep this same personnel grouping and I can run anything out of it because I have wide receivers who are willing to be lead blockers, come in motion and come up through the hole and be lead blockers. Good luck figuring out what I'm going to do when I can run 90 different plays at a one personnel grouping. That's his trump card. So personnel groupings are always going to be based around the personnel that you have. You have Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. That's probably better than your third receiver, depending on if you, how you feel about Gabe Davis as the third receiver. If you think Khalil Shakir's the second receiver, which he was down the stretch, basically, for this Buffalo Bills team. But if the Buffalo Bills invest in a meaningful outside receiver, could you see less 12? Sure, you can see less 12 in 2024. But this idea that there is a button where all you have to do is press this button and you're going to have success as an offense is not backed up by data. Yes, there are some teams that run a lot of heavy that do well. There is also one of the worst offensive teams in the league that ran a lot of heavy. New England Patriots, they were the second worst team in the league in EPA per play. They ran 47.4% of their plays out of heavy personnel usage. Atlanta, who everybody made fun of for Arthur Smith not using his players the way he should have been. Seventh worst EPA per play in the entire league. 80% heavy personnel usage. It might be where the league is going, but it's not where the league is. Does that make sense? So as a trend, I would need to do this exact same exercise for 2022 and 2021 and 2020 and 2019 and 2018, but the data doesn't go back that far. So I can't see the trend. I can only see the point in time. I can't see where you're headed. I can only see where you're at. So we can say it's where the league is heading if we have the appropriate data, but we cannot say it's where the league is. But in the inverse, we can't say, well, 11 personnel is the only way to go. Well, that's clearly not the case. That's obviously not the case. I just listed you off the examples. That's not the case. Now, there's other correlations we're going to go into, but that was a, a meaningful one that I thought was salient to the current NFL conversation, and I wanted to make sure that we talked about it. I talked right over an ad break that I was supposed to take, and now I'm in that weird middle ground where I probably should take one now, but I'm too far in. I'm too far gone, so instead I'm just going to wrap up the podcast, call it an early one, call it a day, call it a night, and if I ramble too much, if you don't like the mathematical concepts we're talking about, if you say I'm never going to turn into that guy ever again, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Buffalo Rumblings.